The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Discover the power within. UnityOnlineRadio.org. The voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran how good can you feel how strong can you be how fearlessly can you live your life knowing that you're doing all you possibly can in terms of your lifestyle choices to manifest the greatest possible degree of health and vitality i hope you answered i feel really good I'm really strong, and I do live fearlessly. Well, at the end of this episode, you're going to be able to say all that with even more conviction. Hello, best listeners anywhere. I'm Victoria Moran, and it is my pleasure to be joining you in your car or on the treadmill or while you're cooking fabulous vegan food and listening to the Main Street Vegan Show. So we're going to be talking about cooking some of that wonderful food with your health in mind after the break when I chat with Dr. Vanita Roman of the Barnard Clinic about her new book, Simply Plant-Based. And right now I have two dazzling guests who are off the charts fit and off the charts kind. They are Giacomo Marchese and Danny Taylor, a married couple who played a huge role in putting vegan bodybuilding on the map. They're co-founders of veganproteins.com and plantbuilt.com, and they're members of the Vegan Strong team. As champion bodybuilders, they reach the mainstream fitness world to promote a vegan diet and lifestyle. At home, they focus their energies on coaching vegans to reach any physique and strength goals they have with a focus on balance and mental health, as well as on superior results. Welcome, Giacomo and Danny. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Excited to be here. Well, it's always wonderful to have you. I followed your career for such a long time, and it seems like there was a time when there were, I don't know, 
six or seven <laughs> vegan bodybuilders. And now it's just become this, this huge thing. And you guys have been part of that for such a long time. So give us just a little bit of your background, how you met, how you found the sport and where the veganism comes in. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually grew up in a really unhealthy household. Um, I grew up overweight. We didn't have a lot of money and unhealthy food is cheap. So we ate a lot of unhealthy food. Uh, And I grew to be obese by the time I was in high school. So although I went vegetarian really young, like eight years old, just because I didn't want to eat animals, I did still consume a lot of dairy and eggs. And it wasn't until I was doing a research paper about veganism in high school that I learned, I'm sorry, I was doing a high school paper about vegetarianism. I learned about veganism, which I'd never heard of. And I decided to go vegan for ethical reasons. And very shortly thereafter, my health started turning around. It started improving. Doctors started noticing. And it was the first time in my life I realized that my health was not just my genetics. What I did played much larger role than I originally thought it did in my own health. So then I followed that thread towards a healthier version of veganism, fitness, strength, and eventually met Giacomo and others. And the fitness part is history. I love people's stories. And and like you, I I was obese in high school, obese in my 20s. And I thought it would never change. Or maybe if it changed, it would always be a struggle. But what happened was it changed and it's not a struggle. So life is good. So Giacomo, your story. Yeah, life is good. My story, I wanted to get into fitness at a young age. I did not feel like I was athletic enough to do so. I wanted to have confidence as far as who I was as a person. And all roads pointed to getting active and eating healthier. My conductor, when I was a drummer, was a bodybuilder. Maybe still is, don't know. Long story short, I got into bodybuilding. Through bodybuilding, I realized I wanted to help people. And I felt that the only way to do that was to lead by example. All roads then pointed to veganism. And I met community uh, through Robert Cheek and my now wife, Danny, and felt like we had something to share. So we kept this thing going through vegan proteins and plant-built. And by putting a good message out and continuing to be active and healthy and even competitive, we've we hope to continue to help others achieve the best version of their self. So let us understand all these different things that you're involved with. So we'll start with vegan proteins. What's that? So vegan proteins originally started as a vegan supplement store back in 2008, because in 2008, if you were an athlete, it was really hard to find a plant-based protein powder. I know that sounds crazy now, but in 2008, you know, there were people looking for protein powder that was vegan and all they could find was whey. So we started an online supplement store. Now you can walk into any CVS and find that, which is amazing. So we realized the world didn't need our little vegan supplement shop anymore. But at that point, we had grown quite a reputation for coaching vegan athletes. So we fully transitioned to coaching vegan athletes. And that is what we do full-time every day. <laughs> uh, and I, I see the website here. If anybody's looking for some really great coaching that you can get online from wherever you are, um, you can d- go to veganproteins.com slash personal hyphen training. And of course we will put that in all of these URLs and the show notes at mainstreetvegan.net. So, okay. These days, vegan proteins is about coaching and how about plantbuilt.com? 
Plant built is being revitalized. It's been dormant for several years. We shifted our work toward coaching and then collaborating with the vegan stall. And now that we're reaching the mainstream fitness audience and there's an opportunity for plant built to compete again, the competition now exists. We are working together with Vegan Strong so that we reach a wider audience and that we bring Plant Built back and we compete together. So what Plant Built is, it's the largest team of vegan strength athletes in the world. So like you said, back in the day, there were like six or seven of us. But we realized every time we would go to a different veg fest in a different city, we would meet another amazing vegan athlete we had never heard of before. And we said, what if we got all of these people together to compete? in a large fitness competition with non-vegans, because at that time it was a stereotype to be a vegan strength athlete. You were almost kind of chuckled at, but when we got everybody together in all of these different sports, we went into various competitions and did very well and got a lot of people asking, Hey, what is it about this vegan thing that makes you guys such good athletes? So the whole idea was to show people what was possible. And that's what we've been aiming to do. You know, I have a tank top from Plant Build that I bought from you guys at some veg fest (laughs) somewhere. And on the back, it says Plant Built Muscle. And I'm always embarrassed to wear it because I think I don't have enough muscle and I'm going to (laughs) make veganism look bad. No, not possible. There's so many different ways to be a great shining example of what plant-built muscle means. It doesn't just have to be bodybuilding. There are so many different sports that vegans are excelling in across the board. And the cool thing is everyone looks different. You know, we have really, really slim endurance athletes doing amazing things. And then we have very, very large power lifters and strong men doing amazing things. And the point is you can do anything that you want to do as a vegan, you can do it, whatever it is you want to do. Don't let anybody tell you, well, you can't do that because you're vegan, because I guarantee you, you can't. Ah, it's so thrilling. My, my daughter is an athlete. She's a stunt performer and a professional aerialist, and she's been vegan her whole life. And she's, she's like a tank. I mean, she, <laughs> I tell her sometimes <laughs> I don't want to bump into you. I might hurt myself, but it's all, it's all plant. It's all plant built as, as you guys say. Now, then you have the vegan strong team. Is that another team? Yes. Well, vegan strong, we travel with various athletes to expos across the country. So it gives us a chance to have a voice a stage to speak on. We see different attendees at these big, larger than life fitness events where they're competing, they're walking around, checking out different booths. And here we are, the vegans with a microphone and with a demo station to show them different kinds of foods they can make. And we're at our table passing out pamphlets or free recipes and this and that, having as many conversations as is humanly possible. During the pandemic, we're instead of taking to the streets, so to speak, we're doing this online. And we're also providing resources on the website. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it's very different than what we've done in the past. Like we met you at a veg fest, which is amazing. We love veg fest, but it's a little bit like preaching to the choir at a veg fest. But what we've been doing now with, with vegan strong team, which was started by Robert, Robert cheek, um, is we go to mainstream fitness events, the Olympia, the Arnold. We are not talking to vegans in this place. We are talking to probably some of the people who eat the most meat, dairy and eggs of anybody in this country about what is possible on a vegan diet. And we were afraid that we would kind of get laughed out of the venue. Um, And it turned out that was not the case at all. We would get people coming over who were not vegan at all, not even vegetarian, 
but they would come over and rather than say, haha, that's an oxymoron. They'd say, you know, I should be more plant-based, but I just don't know how to do it and keep this level of athleticism. So that's what we're there to help them do. I don't think they're going to go vegan overnight, but if, if they even start to make changes, all of that adds up so much. Oh, that's so exciting. And the fact that the vegan word is being used, you know, that we're not shying away from from what we really are. That is so exciting. So I know in terms of your your training with people, you do a lot with short-term goal setting. And I think so often, you know, we've, we it's still, you know, it's March, but it's still early in the year. And it's like we made those resolutions way back then for a year. And we think about the five-year plan, but short-term goals, you can actually kind of get your mind around. So tell us about those. Yeah, for sure. I think people get really motivated and hyped up and they want a quick fix or they want to see their before and after picture or whatever. And it doesn't help that that's a lot of what they see in the fitness industry. So we really focus on working with the mindset and saying, yes, we're going to get to your bottom line. We want you to achieve your short-term goal over the next whatever, once, two months. But what happens after that? And can we do it in a sustainable way? And that's a lot less of a exciting thing, but I feel like it works long-term. So we're not afraid to push for results, but we do want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that doesn't compromise someone's mental health and does empower them to make better choices and do this in a sustainable way long-term. So in the way that you see fitness and health, how, how do exercise and food choices come together? What's more important? What should people be focusing on? How does that work? So the fitness industry as a whole is very flashy. They want you to buy the shiny new toy all the time, the the new cool diet, the new cool supplement. And I guess that makes some people a lot of money. But what we really think people should be focusing on is the basics. And we know that that's not as appealing to most people, but making sure that you are moving your body every day in a way that feels good to your body. If you hate running, don't run. If you hate weightlifting, you don't have to lift weights. You can find something, some way to move your body that feels good to you. So we want people to do that every day. Um, I, in a perfect world, we would love everybody to be vegan, but as a starting position for some people, we want them to start including more fruits and vegetables into their lifestyle. But rather than focusing on, I'm going to cut out this, this, and this, we say, Hey, why don't we focus on what we can add to your plate? Can we add more colors to your plate? Can we try some new food that you've never tried before? Um, other factors like your hydration, are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Before you start to worry about the nitty gritty details about maybe if I take this supplement, it will help. If you don't have those big pieces in order, nothing else, none of those little details are going to matter. So we work on on getting people's house in order first before we start playing with the smaller variables. And I feel like that's where a lot of people kind of have it backwards. And what about the training schedule, both for somebody who's just trying to go from sedentary to reasonably fit and somebody who really wants to get into bodybuilding or another sport. How, how much working out are we talking about? How do people incorporate that into their lives? My minimum ask for anyone is to say, yes, I can do two to three days a week of 30 minutes. If you can do that, then you have the potential to fit something in that's reasonable, no matter what's going on in your life. And you can scale up and still fall back on that and say, I'm going to be active no matter what. There's always a way to get up and get moving, no matter what you do or don't have access to as far as training equipment 
or what have you, right? And I feel like it's also helpful to have some sort of activity outside of resistance training, meaning moving your body. Moving your body is good for you in general, like literally moving your body, like walking or doing some sort of cardio that's not too intense on your body. So I think the key thing is to meet people where they're at, right? If somebody has been sedentary for years, we would never suggest that they go to the gym for five days a week for an hour a day. They would be so sore and so fatigued so quickly. They would say, this feels terrible. I hate this. I'm never going to do this again. You know, so we, we start with what I like to call a minimum effective dose. So like Giacomo said, for someone who's sedentary, starting with two to three days a week of kind of moderate intensity cardio or light lifting where you're just really learning the form just to get your body acclimated to moving is great. If somebody's already sort of like, you know, a regular gym goer, but they want to take it to the next level, maybe they go from training four days a week to five days a week, or instead of do it lifting for 45 minutes, they start lifting for an hour. They add on more sets. So it's kind of about wherever you are walking it up uh, slowly in a way that your body is going to not be too fatigued and not get injured because not getting injured is the number one rule. So we've all been through, and I guess we're still going through a, a pretty tough period in, in the outer world. And I think one of the things that's happened with the pandemic is a lot of people are a lot less fit <laughs> than they yes. were because the gyms closed and then they reopened, but you have to wear a mask and that's hard for a lot of people. So tell us a little bit about being trained online. I mean, are people using, I don't know, cans of peas or, you know, how does that work? In the beginning, that was definitely true. I remember when this first started unfolding and I, you know, among all of the things we were all stressed out about, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to write a million programs for people at home right now because everybody's gym is about to close. So at first, it was very much a use what you got situation, water bottles, cans of soup. Um, some people did have um, exercise bands. So that was the first thing we recommended that people get a good set of exercise bands, a, a whole set, a good one is going to run you 30 or $35, something like that. Um, they weren't out of stock early on in the pandemic. And you can train your whole body with that in your house. So that was sort of where we started. And unfortunately, since it's been so long at this point, a lot of people have upgraded their home gyms to have dumbbells or a bench or a pull-up bar. And basically for every person that we work with, we design programs based on what they have. And some people have more and some people have less. But in the beginning, everybody, including us, were just like, okay, this is what we've got to work with. We're going to find a way to make it work. And it was hard. So I've taken yoga classes online and a couple of aerobics classes that that just seemed a little bit unnatural. The yoga classes, you know, work pretty well. So tell me about working with weights online. It is, I mean, you talk a lot to the people, do you demonstrate? Just, just give us a preview. Sure. Well, typically we put their programming in an app for them and they have video tutorials and it gives them a step-by-step -step instruction on what to do, and then they watch us performing it. So we have an exercise database for all of the movements that we prescribe. That being said, it's not quite the same as being able to cue and physically adjust someone and see someone in three-dimensional fashion in person. So that is a negative, but you can do a lot with someone online. You could be in communication with them more often. You can get creative with the kind of ways that you cue them, and you can do video analysis where the both of you are together 
looking at what together and separately looking at what's going on, critically thinking about form and then adjusting accordingly. So we do form checks and we have clients send us their movement patterns and they film themselves. Yeah. So they'll film themselves doing a squat. They will send it to us and we will make a detailed video uh, critique. This is going really well. We need to work on doing this a bit more. Keep sending these videos so we can keep improving it. But luckily, many of the people who come to online coaching in the strength realm, by the time they come to us, they are all, they already do have some familiarity with how to lift weights. So if somebody was completely wet behind the ears, had never done a strength training program before, online coaching might not be the best place to start. Not to say you can't learn online. Certainly YouTube is a wonderful resource for everything. Um, but there are benefits to when you've never learned how to properly squat, for example, to actually going to a gym, having a session with a trainer in person or a physical therapist or a chiropractor, even in person, just to make sure you have the mechanics right before you start adding weight to it. But once you have those basics, online coaching is a really great option for a lot of people uh, economically. And especially for what we do working with vegans, a lot of people don't have a vegan trainer down the street from them at the local gym. So that's where it really, I think is helpful. Yeah. I've known so many people who've gotten trainers who say, oh yeah, you're vegan. That's cool. But as things proceed, they can't help but say, you know, it's almost like everything is fine as long as it's perfect. But if the person sneezes once or ever, you know, can't go up quite as fast as the trainer thinks, then they sometimes like to get in the, maybe you need a little more protein, which is, you know, then we give them the vegan proteins talk. (laughs) Yeah. So that's actually what inspired me to start learning so much about vegan nutrition and the strength world was my trainer said, hey, kid, if you won't at least have whey protein, this might be where your results stop. And that just lit a fire in me like, I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's how that progressed many, many years ago. Very cool. Now, in terms of the sport of bodybuilding, I look at the two of you, and obviously we're online, so I'm not seeing you in three dimensions, but neither one of you is, is huge. You know, neither one of you, I would point out, I mean, obviously you're fit, but it's like, uh, you know, maybe they're, I don't know, runners, dancers, whatever. I wouldn't think bodybuilders, but you are. So tell us about if somebody wants to do that and they don't necessarily have an Arnold physique to start with, what can they do? Well, Arnold has great genetics. However, Arnold did not have an Arnold physique to start with. There's a lot of <laughs> ways where bodybuilding to the average person who is not really deep into it, they can be deceived because there are performance enhancing drugs that are used. And then there's also a lot of illusions when it comes to bodybuilding. You have to make yourself look a certain way. Like I, I look a certain way right now, but I can flex and I can look a lot bigger. But then again, someone else could be enhanced and look even bigger than that. Yeah. So, and I sort of like to lead with we're going to focus on your, you being the best version of yourself. Your body's capable of doing And of course, whatever your choices are in terms of that will dictate what your potential is. Yeah. So most people are very surprised that natural bodybuilders, uh, natural meaning that you don't use any, um, any performance enhancers or anything like that are actually a lot smaller in person uh, than you expect them to be. You'll see a picture online and think that they're massive. And then you see them in person and you're like, oh, you're smaller than I thought. Whereas when you go to the untested world, the Arnold world, where they don't do any sort of testing on you. Uh, those folks are really, really big. And I think that's what most people think of when they think bodybuilding. 
but there are two sports. There's the untested and the tested. So we stay in the tested world and that's where we like to perform. And I think that anybody can improve their physique uh, as a vegan, regardless of what your genetics were. Like you said, you know, you were obese into your twenties. I was obese uh, until I was about 18 years old and you can turn anything around. I never in a million years would have thought that I would have an athletic physique never. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of hard work and consistency over a long period of time and you can do a lot. Yeah. Well, it's a very interesting sport because it doesn't require a team. I know you guys are on a couple of teams, but it, it it's really just you. So it's almost like the perfect sport for, for the introvert. <laughs> Yes, it's a very, it's kind of an isolating sport, actually, which I think is why so many people gravitate towards teams, because you have to, you're eating very differently than everybody you know. I mean, we're vegan, so we're a little used to eating differently than other people. But even in our vegan community, when you're getting ready for a show, you're eating very differently. It can feel uh, kind of lonely. You're spending a lot of time in the gym. So you really have to love it. You really have to have good motivations for why you do it. Otherwise, you could easily come to resent it because of how much of your time it takes up. But all of that said, I still love the sport so much. So, <laughs> and, and you just share that enthusiasm with other people. I mean, you, you get people excited about bodybuilding, you get people excited about veganism. You're just, you know, you're trainers, but you're also sort of excitement sparkers. I've always thought <laughs> that about you guys. So we started out talking about short-term goal setting but there's also like this long-term approach to success that you all are known for. So we only have a couple of minutes left, but just what's that about? Well, the longer I go at this, working with others, the more I realize that I want to make sure that they commit to something that they can do for the rest of their lives. And they think of their fitness and their health in terms of their lifestyle, which means what will you do in a lifetime with your body? And what are you doing now that will affect you 20 years from now? And I feel like it also makes it so that you can grow into your body and with your body as opposed to thinking that you're fighting the aging process, which I'm guilty as charged. I feel like that at times too. And then I have to like come to my senses and be like, it feels that way now. The truth is I'm making sure that no matter what age I'm at, that I'm, I have the most use of my body and I am the healthiest version of myself. And I try to echo that um, and speak to that point with others as well. Cool. And I know you wanted to share with the listeners the free resources for recipes and, and workouts through a Vegan Strong and Vegan Proteins. What have you got? Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. If you are looking for some fun free workouts, like some of the home workouts we talked about here, or some fun recipes that are obviously vegan and geared towards an athletic person, veganstrong.com has all of that and articles and motivation. There are so many awesome resources on veganstrong.com. We would definitely recommend checking it out. So cool. And the one thing we didn't talk about real quick is Muscles by Brussels. I know <laughs> that's, that's our your, podcast. That's your podcast. <laughs> that's a Facebook group. But you know, they always say people who listen to podcasts, listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. So everybody check out uh, Muscles by Brussels Radio. We'll put the... Uh, the link at MainStreetVegan.net. And thank you so much. Thank you for all you do to make people healthy and make the world kinder. You guys are just a, I don't know, you're a light source. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having us. This was really fun. And uh, we always enjoy talking to you. We were excited to do this. 
thank you so very much. And everybody else, just uh, hang out a little bit. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some really good food. Stay with us. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence. A weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. We're having so much fun in this episode, Being Healthy. We just exercised and now we're going to eat. And interestingly enough, you know, all this stuff kind of comes together. It was a little bit like our earlier guests were saying that they got into this for their health and then they discovered the animals. And we so often get into it for one kind of health and then discover the other kind of health. So the food people are exercise people and it just all works out. So my wonderful guest coming up is a personal trainer and a certified nutritionist, but mostly she's a medical doctor, board certified in internal medicine. She spent 15 years practicing at Kaiser Permanente, where she launched a very popular and successful plant-based weight loss program. And she is now clinic director at the Barnard Medical Center and Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. So this means she is heading up clinical research and nutrition education as as well as patient care centered around plant-based nutrition. What a great way to live and what a cool doctor. Don't we wish we all had her welcome, <laughs> Dr. Vanita Rahman. Oh, thank you so much, Victoria. Um, it's so wonderful to be on your program. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you and also to be in possession of your incredible book. Now I'm going to hold this up so that the people watching on YouTube, they'll probably see it backwards, but you can at least see a little something simply plant-based fabulous food for a healthy life. And I really, really, really am pushing this book because it is my current favorite cookbook. Now, you know, I've been talking for a while that we're kind of changing the show and we're making it more spiritual and all that. But when this cookbook arrived, I had to say, yeah, we're going to do this cookbook because it really is simple. It really does work. I have three shelves of cookbooks and one shelf are the ones I actually use. And this one is going to be right there up front because it makes so much sense. It's so comforting. It's so delicious. And it's so good for you. So Dr. Rahman, it's kind of like your two people. I feel like somebody could say, meet my daughter. She's a wonderful chef and just wrote a cookbook. And meet my daughter. She's a doctor. Well, you're <laughs> both. So tell us about you and how you got to be both. Well, you know, um, over the course of my practice, I came to realize and really appreciate how much food and our health are intertwined. They're just 
so tightly linked. And this unfortunately isn't something I learned in my training or my medical education, but I came to learn about it afterwards. Um, and I realized that most of the chronic conditions that I was seeing in the clinic, like diabetes or high blood pressure or heart disease and obesity, that for most of these, the solution wasn't in the prescriptions I was writing. It wasn't in the complicated medical regimens or even weight loss surgery. The solution was really about what we were eating every day, something we do three, four, five times a day. And, um, you know, I myself was having health struggles and I realized I had been eating all wrong. And, and once I realized what I had done wrong, um, I could see that I needed to do something that this knowledge couldn't just stay with me. I had to share it with others because it's so powerful. So where did you get the knowledge? You said it wasn't in medical school. When did it come to you? You know, for me, it came when a really good friend of mine from medical school who I was talking to one day and I was explaining all of my health challenges and how disheartened and defeated I felt. And he suggested to me that I get this book called The China Study. And I had never heard of it. I had never heard of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, but I was desperate to change things. And so very skeptically, I picked up the book and I started reading. And as I read, the more I read, the more everything made sense. Why? my patients didn't get better with medications, why I wasn't getting better, and how everything I knew about nutrition was just wrong. And, um, and then luckily for me, my friend also suggested to me that I go to this website called pcrm.org and check out their annual nutrition conference for physicians. And luckily for me, it was right here in Washington, DC. And I went and it was just a life-changing experience. I went and we were learning about cardiovascular disease and the role that nutrition plays. And, you know, it was a two-day conference and there were a thousand people just as passionate, just as committed to helping their patients change their health with nutrition. And it's just like a big light bulb going off thinking I'm not alone, that there are a lot of us that want to change things. And it's all based on science and really solid evidence. And and, you know, it's just so powerful learning. Um, and that's how I came to learn through reading books, attending conferences and doing a lot of self-teaching. So have you always been a food person? Have you always liked to cook? Not at all. In fact, I couldn't stand cooking. Um, I, I didn't like to cook at all. You know, um, my idea of eating was buying food from a restaurant, eating out or takeout or buying packaged foods, because to me, I didn't see any value in doing the work of cooking. It didn't make sense to me. And it wasn't really until my own children were born that I even thought, maybe I shouldn't just give them a jar of baby food. Maybe I can try making my own carrot puree. But somehow it never clicked that maybe I could do better for me too. Um, and that's, you know, it, it, this love of cooking definitely grew over time. But once I learned, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so easy. It's really not that hard. And it saves me money. I feel better. It actually ends up making my life so much easier in the long run. Well, this is interesting to hear because a lot of people say I don't have time to cook, but you are an MD and a mom and you have time to cook. <laughs> so yeah. maybe we all do. 
so where do we get started? I love this book because it does lay out all the basics. So if you're a brand new vegan or if you're a longtime vegan who lives in New York City and relies on carry out, <laughs> then you get the basics about like um, stocking your pantry and and just just a sample grocery list and the kinds of, of flour you want to get and nuts and seeds and whatnot. So where does somebody start? Well, you know, I think food is so powerful. We um, have so, we place such a heavy value on what we eat for a variety of reasons. But I say start with what you love to eat. Um, so if you like eating burgers or quesadillas or pasta, well, start there and just flip through the book and you'll find a recipe for a veggie burger you can make at home or a veggie lasagna or my personal favorite quesadillas. They're so easy. I can whip those up in 10 minutes. Um, and then just you'll see just getting the few ingredients that are needed. And it's my whole goal in writing this book was to share that I'm a lazy cook. I don't like to spend hours in the kitchen. I don't have that kind of patience. I want to do things quickly. And if I can do it, you can do it. It's really um, much easier and simpler than we think it is. Well, my favorite thing in all the world is scones. And mm -hmm. I get about one a year because it's hard to find them vegan. And usually they're not very healthy mm -hmm. <laughs> vegan, thus the once a year. But you have three. You mm -hmm. have apricot and chocolate chip scones cranberry and thyme scones. What an interesting flavor blend that is. And savory kale scones. Now, these are not 100% oil-free. A lot of people listening, they're like, you know, you just, mm -hmm. just never, never touch an oil bottle. And your recipes are low in fat, but not 100% oil-free. Why didn't you opt for that? So it's, uh, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because the idea behind eating plant-based is to keep it low fat, keep it low fat, minimally added fats, minimally added sugars, minimizing the sodium in the food. To keep it healthy, we don't have to be 100% oil-free. We don't have to be 100% added sugar-free, and we don't have to be 100% salt-free. But what we want to do is minimize that. The other thing is often when people are avoiding the oil, they may be adding something else instead. So they may be adding nut butters or they may be adding seed paste like tahini. Now we may think intuitively those may be healthier, but the truth is they are healthier, but they're still high fat foods. So oil is a hundred percent fat, but nut butters or tahini, those are about 70 to 80% fat too. So they're still high in fat. Um, the other thing is just simply a matter of texture and taste. So what I did in every single recipe was really minimize the oil. The average scone that you might get in your coffee shop or bakery is probably very high in fat. Um, you can feel the oil when you touch that scone. You can see it on the parchment paper. And uh, what I really tried to do was just minimize it. I experimented with making them zero oil scones and they just came out very dry they, the texture just didn't work at all. So I realized minimizing it to what I have in the book really works. So I could keep it low fat, but still keep the flavor and the texture. And so when you bake them, you'll see you don't get that oil on your fingers. And we're putting a whole bunch of kale in there with just a little bit of oil. So you 
it's not going to taste heavy or rich at all. Well, I'm so excited because my once a year when I have that scone is my birthday, which is coming up on the 21st. So um, yeah, maybe I'm going to have your scones instead, and then I could have two. Uh <laughs> Absolutely. You can have these for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're really healthy. And the kale ones, it's such a great way to get kale into breakfast. Like we don't think of kale being a breakfast food, but this is one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, they sound wonderful. And then I noticed like the buckwheat pancakes, they don't have any oil at all. They look so good. That is breakfast tomorrow. You know, listeners, it's so cool when you get a cookbook that Maybe you're on an airplane or something and you're not going to cook for two weeks, but you can read it and you feel as if you've just been eating all this great food. And this is one of those books. So I highly recommend it. And it is called Simply Plant-Based because it is simple and really, really yummy and luscious. So I want to ask you a physician question. Yeah. We hear about how a plant-based diet is practically a panacea for obesity, type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, and probably helps a whole lot of other things quite a bit. So of all of the conditions that you see, have you been surprised at something that was helped with a plant-based diet? Yeah, you know, I'm surprised every day. Um, I can tell you personally, for me, before I went on a plant based diet, I had prediabetes, I had high cholesterol, I had arthritis in my knees, as early as in my 20s. And I had um, asthma, I had allergies, I had frequent heartburn. And I used to get sick with a cold just about every month. Um, and then I would get sick with a cold and then my asthma would flare up. And what I noticed uh, a few months into eating this way is my knees felt better. I could run harder, faster, and they didn't ache. Stop needing my heartburn medication. And every year I stock these medicines in case I need them in the middle of the night. And then every year I just throw them out because they expire and I haven't even touched them. I stopped needing my inhaler. I would not leave my house without an inhaler because I didn't know when my asthma would flare. It just sits there and it just goes into the trash can because I never end up needing it. So one of the, and the thing that surprised me the most was I hardly ever get sick anymore. You know, I can count on one hand how many times I've been sick since going plant-based, whereas catching the common cold was a regular thing. And, and I started thinking, is this just me? But we're actually seeing evidence now, even with the COVID pandemic, that persons who eat a plant-based diet, they're much more likely to contract um, moderate to severe disease. Their symptoms, if they do contract it, are more likely to be mild. So what we see is that it helps regulate our immune system. It fights infections better, but then those autoimmune conditions like asthma, um, it tamps those down at the same time. So it just seems to never cease amazing me. Wow, that is so cool. Well, I did get COVID back in January mm -hmm. and I'd really been afraid for two years because when the whole pandemic thing started, it had been going about a week and I had my birthday and I turned mm -hmm. 70 and somebody on TV said, this virus is the grim reaper for the elderly. And I'm like, perfect timing. <laughs> And so you're really, really careful, you know, the mask, vaccinated, all that. And then I got it. Mm -hmm. And 
it was so much milder for me. And this is certainly not to diminish the horrible, awful experiences so many people have had. But in my case, even at 71, it was milder than most colds. And very often for me, colds will go into sinus infections. This didn't. And so I just feel really grateful. And, you know, some people say, well, that's because you're vaccinated and maybe it was. And some people say, well, that's because you're plant-based. And I think that's it too. <laughs> Both and. Yeah. You know, I'm shocked um, at what you just said that you are 71 because you do not look like you're 71. Let me just put that out there. Um and I think it probably was a combination of both your plant-based eating and the immune is, uh, the vaccination. You know, we it doesn't have to be one or the other. They're both probably having an additive impact, and it's good that you had a mild experience and uh, was able to continue making good food <laughs> and <laughs> and eating good food. Although I must say, my appetite completely went away for four days. That doesn't happen to me. It, it was just almost like what somebody would expect me to put that stuff in my mouth and chew it. But then mm -hmm. once the appetite came back, it was like, okay, let me put in a grocery order. We got to get some of this good food going on. So talk to us a little bit. We did talk about timing and the amount of time that people have to cook. You've got to be just crazy busy. So do you batch cook on weekends? How do you get all this done? So what I figured out are some easy recipes for which I stock and keep them on hand. So I love the, the quesadillas because I can keep um, unsalted black beans or pinto beans in my pantry. I freeze the tortillas that I buy in the store. And then I can just um, even keep it. Uh, I can I make my own salsa and I'll freeze it. And I'll just keep that handy. And it's so easy to whip that together. Um, the other thing I love is the tofu curry recipe in there. If I have my silken tofu at home, I can whip that up in about 10 to 20 minutes too. So I have a few recipes that I can make fresh that don't take very long. But then I do freeze some. So if I make lentil soup, I'll make twice what I need and I'll freeze half of it. I'll freeze the tomato sauce, I'll freeze the salsa, I'll freeze the soups. I've even frozen some of the curries in there. Um, I've frozen cooked pasta and rice and almost everything keeps really well. Um, the one thing that I haven't had much luck freezing is tofu itself. Um, it just gets a watery quality to it, but a lot of things I'll freeze and then I have my own meals. I can just leave them outside when I leave for work in the morning and by the time I come home, they're ready to go in the microwave and serve for dinner. So you're not freaked out by a microwave. That's okay for you. I, I'm not, you know, um, of course, if people are not comfortable with them, most of these things, you can heat them on the stovetop or in the oven. So whatever method you're comfortable with. Um, but the idea is that instead of buying frozen meals from a store where the mm. fat is high and the added sugar is high and the sodium is high, I just cook extra and freeze some for the future and it keeps really well. That makes so much sense. And I think something that you froze last week just has a lot more life force energy than something that somebody froze six months ago. Absolutely. <laughs> Left an expiration date on. So you mentioned silk and tofu and I, I did make a 
a kind of dog ear on the no cheese Alfredo sauce page because I really want to make that. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that has silken tofu too. So I think sometimes people that are new to tofu, they'll get silken tofu and it'll all fall apart and they'll say, what is this weird stuff? I never want to use <laughs> it again. So can you give us a little tofu tutorial, silken and the other kind? Yeah, happy to. So tofu uh, or let's talk about soybeans so soybeans are a type of legume and they are sold as actual hard soybeans which very few people use but you can you can boil them and eat them as a snack or make a curry or a casserole um, but more often we see them as frozen edamame um, in our freezer which also makes a great snack now edamame or soybean or soy milk can then be um, transformed into tofu which is basically um, it's fermented a little bit and turned into tofu. It's amazing. And it comes in many different varieties. There's silken, which is very smooth. It's literally like silk when you open it up. The other is firm or extra firm. Then there's medium firm or soft. It's not that one is healthier than the other. It's just different textures work better. So silken has the most water in it. And it works really well with smooth dressings like um, the cheesy, the no Alfredo sauce, the no cheese Alfredo sauce. It works really well with it because it has a very smooth texture. I also like the silken tofu and the tofu curry recipe there. It just soaks up the flavor really well. But then you'll see for other recipes like the tofu steaks um, or the grilled tofu sandwich. Over there, I use firm tofu because it has a heartier consistency, which is what I want when I'm air frying it or or um, pan frying it. So it really depends. Now, the other way you can see tofu is as, or soy is as tempeh, and that has an even heartier consistency, a lot less water. Um, so it's really all a matter of taste and what the recipe calls for. Just different textures go better in different preparations. And, you know, I really think that the tofu and nutritional yeast is as hippy trippy as you get in, in this book. I think you could give this book to your mother-in-law, your neighbor down the hall, who's just, you know, always cooked very conventionally, because this is just regular supermarket food, mm -hmm. easy to get. Yeah, and that was what I really wanted because when uh, I was leading my plant-based weight loss program at Kaiser, I saw that people really wanted to eat well, they really wanted to change their diet but they were so unsure of where to begin. They didn't know how to put a meal together and, and they didn't want to go invest, you know, a lot of money in groceries, not knowing if they would ever use them again. So I wanted to keep it very mainstream um, so that it can, it can be anything you can find in your local grocer. Oops, my apologies, slight technical difficulty there. Well, you've done an excellent job of it. And I, this is one of these cookbooks that you just look through it and you're like so excited, like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this. And then you're thinking, wow, that's going to take you through, you know, six months, but that's okay because I'll be eating six months from now too. <laughs> so tell me about what somebody can expect when they go to the Barnard Clinic, either in person in DC or for telehealth services, how does it differ from what one would get from, you know, Dr. Smith's uh, office down the street? Yeah, so we, uh, we 
at the Barnard Medical Center, which is located in downtown Washington, DC. We are a primary care clinic. So you can expect all the things you would get in a primary care clinic. We do annual exams, we do immunization, we talk about preventative care. We also do sick visits. Um, there are a couple of ways in which we are different. One is we really incorporate nutrition into our treatment plan. So if I see someone with diabetes, I don't just prescribe medications. And the same goes for my colleagues. We also talk, you know, we also introduce the idea of food as being key here. Um, and if someone is ready to make that change, then we provide them with all the resources that we have available. We have group visits, we have um, weight loss programs that we do through group. We have diabetes reversal programs that we do online. So we just offer a lot of group support and education. We also have registered dietitians who work with us who are also plant-based. So we really just show people the power of the plate and how much that can impact their health. Now we will also prescribe medications and refer patients to specialists just as we should as primary care providers. But instead of just always handing a prescription, we say, you know, we could do prescriptions, but we can also focus on nutrition and we can do one or the other, or we can do both. It really depends on where they are in their um, health and what they need at that moment. The other way I think we may be a little bit different is we have really taken advantage of modern technology during the pandemic and just sort of run with it. We were already doing telehealth visits before. We were already offering group programs, but with the pandemic, we saw that we really wanted to reach more people and people felt comfortable doing it from home. So we offer telehealth visits. I think it's over 25 states across which we're available. And um, we offer a variety of group programs, all online. And some of them are very interactive, just like our conversation here, so that people can really benefit from all this information that's available and they may just not know about it. That is really exciting. And you know, something else you said, I'll bet just really shocks people, but in a really happy way. You talked about a diabetes reversal program. And for so many years, we were told, well, that's kind of like being pregnant. You know, it's just, you are. Right. And, and that diabetes could not be reversed. And we know now because of the work of PCRM and other wonderful researchers, it can indeed. What does it feel like when you tell somebody that a death sentence isn't? You know, I think it feels like there's this, big weight off their shoulder. They've been just carrying this thinking, this is a one-way street and I'm never going to be able to turn it around. And for the first time, there's hope. And, and in a way that's very optimistic. I don't have to have a risky surgery. I don't have to take scary medications. You mean, I just have to eat differently and okay, I'll try broccoli if it means I don't have to take that insulin anymore. I think people are really so grateful that there is another alternative, that they don't have to just depend on medications or complicated procedures. And I can't tell you how many times we see patients who come in and three months later, they're no longer on any medications, their diabetes is reversed. And it's like, 
they're starting their life again. You know, it's just the most empowering feeling. Oh, it just, it sounds wonderful. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for this wonderful book, Simply Plant-Based. Everybody, you got to get it. You got to eat what's in here. It's just so good. Thanks to all of our guests today, to Unity Online Radio, and to you, our valued listener. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.